All right, so as we go from our questions, we want to start with what you guys think the definition of church communications is. We're going to give you ours, but we want to hear what you guys think. Throw it at us. What is the definition? When you hear church communications, how would you define church communications? There's no wrong answers, but we'll tell you what we think ours is. Come on, half of you are doing it. So. The, 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 the means by which church uh, receives information. Yep. <clears throat> getting a message to people. Yep, good. Yeah. Getting a message to people. Yeah. Any other definitions out there? You're welcome to have a crack. I scared you off, haven't I? <laughs> we could have flavors like uh, a message that inspires, informs, empowers, and that's heard clearly, felt clearly. Yep, yep. Mm. How we engage with people. How we engage with people, yep. Andy, show them what we recognize it. Yeah, well, this is our definition. It's not the only definition. But supporting a church to deliver clear, effective, and contextual messages to internal and external groups of people. So there's a couple of couple of parts there. Uh, supporting a church's mission. So that is supporting a church. That's supporting a church's mission. What's your church on about? And church comms is really integrating with that. Uh, that's an important thing. Um, it helps your church achieve its mission or its goal. Uh, to deliver clear, effective and contextual messages so it's intentional. Uh, you need to be intentional with it. That's going to require a strategy. It doesn't happen accidentally. Um, and we're going to talk a bit about that. And um, we'll be talking about what contextual looks like as well. Um, some, of that, some of this frame we talked about in context. So we're going, to, we're going to build on some of that as well. Uh, and lastly, to internal and external groups of people. So you've got two groups, Hopkins, and Ray talked about that yesterday. You've got the, the um, visitors and, or potential visitors in your community, people that haven't yet visited your church, you've got your people in your church, and uh, the way you communicate to those two groups of people are quite different. So we'll probably do that as well. So here's, the, here's some of the things we're going to cover. Well, before we get oh, to yeah, that, talk about this. we just thought we'd throw up the ecosystem diagram that has been talked about in couple of the other sessions, just to kind of say, church comms is just working in and amongst all those things. You know, you'll be doing things to support all these different areas. Yeah, so we're in there and amongst it. Um, it's not a separate add-on tacked on the end or anything like that. So just keep that in mind as we go through. Who do you report to in that one? <laughs> <laughs> well... For me, I um, not so much who I report to. I do report to someone. It's our general manager. But um, these guys, are the people I'm working with, they're kind of my clients. So, yeah, they're requesting things. I'm working with them to develop and produce stuff. I think one of the things I want to say, though, is um, you've got people who particularly in a larger church, might, that might be their thing, church comms, and you help the church do it. But really, uh, if, you're, if you're a minister at a church... 95, maybe 98% of what you do is communicating <laughs> with people. Uh, and so it's every, it needs to be something it's, it's something that everyone's on board with, doing it well, and you're on the same page. And there might be a couple of people that work particularly hard at executing it, but it's something that we're all... If you volunteers, even your members, are communicating different things. So it's a, it's a much bigger thing. It's not just Sunday announcements or your social media. Yeah. Right. So 
the things we're going to run through, we've got five different things we're going to cover in terms of just downtime together. First thing I want to start, which I'm not going to go into too much detail, you're getting a lot of this this week, but I want to be able to say up front, when it comes to church comms, uh, we want to start with our gospel convictions to say, if we're talking about heaven and hell being on the line, the way we communicate and how effective we're at doing that means that we're loving people well when we communicate well, uh, and we're, if we don't choose to communicate, which by the way is communicating, um, that, that has eternal implications. If we're clear with our church to be able to say, here's how to come find us, here's where we are, if there's no other churches in your particular local area, if there's not a church there, um, if you're not communicating well, that means that there's potential people that are not hearing about Jesus. And so church communications is essential. I want to start with that and say, if it is heaven and hell on the line, then we need to get this stuff right. It's not uh, Church comms isn't something we just kind of throw off by the wayside and go, oh yeah, we probably should think about that Facebook thing. Um, but to say, this is really important to get right and, and actually serves the whole church, as we're seeing with that previous diagram. If we're part of that ecosystem in church communications, we've got to nail this stuff. And so that's really, really important to start with. Second thing we're going to run through today is to say, have a plan, a clear vision. Rachel's going to run you through that. We're going to define our context and our audience, and he's going to go through that. Uh, I'm going to walk you through what does it look like to actually put yourself in their shoes. Graham ran through a couple of examples in the previous session. I'm going to take you through our model of that with a particular focus on church communications and then uh, working through teams. So what does it look like? Different stages throughout your church ministry. I'm going to go from uh, 0 to 75. and just going to go 75 through to about 200. Right? just going to go 200 plus of saying, not only for you guys, what does comms look like in those particular spaces, but how do you build a team around you that can do this and be excited about what it looks like to be able to do church communication to work? So that's where we're heading for today. Okay, so start with, be great to have a plan, but as you'll see... Um, it's not just a plan that you'll tack on, it's something that has to start right with the full ministry team. Um, so it'll include things like, what's the vision and mission of your church, what are you trying to achieve? And whatever comms plan comes, we'll need to be, achieve, need to be looking at that to be able to measure and see where you're going and what you're trying to do. Um, it could include some other things like um, building, a, building community and a sense of belonging, so your communication messages and things like that are trying to achieve that outcome. Um, event promotion, so what are you trying to do? Get people to come along to your events. Uh, shaping public profile, which I think was one of the questions we had. Um, and even demystifying what church is and what you do here, so to the outside. So I guess, you know, the plan could be a lot of things. Um, these are just some things that it might include. But it's just really important to work out what you're trying to achieve, and then the steps to how you're going to achieve that. And then you can even measure some of that. So, see how your plan's going. Okay, so, where are we up to next? Context. Yeah. Uh, it's important to define the context. Graham mentioned this, so it'd be worthwhile to, to think about. Uh, every context, for, the context for all our different churches is very different. Uh, the parish we're in, or the suburb we're in, the city we're in, uh, the location, the environment. It's the, the situation that your church is in. The people, what's the culture like of the people around your church that you're trying to reach, uh, the demographics, uh, and that's going to help you uh, as you kind of try and speak the language uh, of the people that you're trying to reach. So is your area rural or urban, suburban? Uh, what's the socioeconomic status of people? Uh, what's the local area known for? Industry, location, business, all that's going to help feed into how you communicate. You need to understand that before you 
start to try and communicate to people. You need to understand who they are, what's the suburb, the city like. And as the comms person, it's not only your job to do that. It's the whole team, whether it's one pastor, minister working, or however many people there are. This kind of working out the context is what the whole team will need to be doing, not just the comms person. Yeah. So census data is helpful. Uh, you can get the stats on things. But even just going to the shops and observing what kind of people are around or what kind of shops are around, uh, that kind of thing. Um, that's all really helpful stuff. So here's an example for us in Wollongong. Uh, in Wollongong, it's uh, a coastal city, hour and a half uh, south of Sydney. Uh, the, the place where we are, which is kind of the centre of Wollongong, is more young adults, single, young adults, uh, more compared to the, the average in New South Wales. Uh, the uni and the hospital are the two biggest employers. It used to be the steelworks, but that's going down. And so the, the city is transforming, going from less blue collar, transforming to white collar. And so you can kind of see that happen. Uh, and uh, a mix of socioeconomic groups. Uh, Illawarra has the highest rate of unemployment uh, in I think New South Wales and um, lots of different groups. Uh, but particularly where we are. Uh, lots of retirees who have moved, sold their house in Sydney, moved, bought an apartment. Uh, lots of young uh, singles as well, 20, 30 year olds. So that's our, that's our, uh, our context, but you need to narrow it down further. I think this is helpful. <coughs> Who's your audience? So you can't reach all those people. Our church is not going to really effectively reach retirees and young workers at the same time. Um, both are welcome. We're, we're very happy to have retirees visit our church. Um, but for us, we need to narrow it down a little bit more uh, as we try and think about how do we communicate to people. And so there's lots of different audiences within a context. can't effectively communicate to all of them. You need to choose. One thing on that as well, just to add, Annie, is that there will be situations where you guys are in multi-generational churches, right, where um, if you've got a particular target audience, you might be trying to reach different people in your congregation that are different demographics, different lifestyles, etc., life stages. Uh, as you do that, your, your audience can change. So the message you send out to that audience might change as to what you send out to this group versus that group. That, it's not necessarily we're trying to all say that there's only one way to communicate. It's trying to say you have to start with your audience if you're going to be able to know the thing that you're going to say to them. Yeah. And particularly if you communicate to the, those outside of the community. Yeah. Um, so I think it's helpful that you have one in particular. Uh, so helpful questions... Uh, to, do, to do that, and I think it's even, I'm going to even make it even sharper, and uh, a helpful thing is creating a persona. Come up with an imaginary person that exemplifies that target audience, and uh, make them, this fictional person, make them feel tangible, and that'll help you as you visualise your comms, and really everything else I think you do, you start to have that person in mind, and it really starts to sharpen it. So there's some questions you can ask, what are their hopes and dreams, what do they do for fun, what stage of life are they in? Why would they come to church? What do they fear? How would they hear about a church? Um, uh, all those kind of questions. So here's an example that we did our staff team. We spent two hours thinking about who is this person. And we came up with Salty Steve. Uh, and this is a tangible guy that you kind of feel like, I really want this guy now to come to church. So here, I'll, meet, I'll introduce you to Salty Steve. He's, uh, how old is he? He's 27 years old. He's a uni grad. He graduated uni. Grew up in Wollongong and uh, now lives in an apartment with his girlfriend and his mate, and uh, he, he works, but he doesn't love his job. He likes his job, but he works to get money so he can experience things. That's, that's his big idol in life, his experience. 
Uh, so he goes on holidays, he's got a tattoo, like everyone else. Um, he, uh, what else? Biggest fear is being excluded from his mates. Uh, he would, he's not anti-religious, his, his parents are, because they grew up in a religious household. He didn't grow up in a religious household. Hasn't really had much to do with the religion, would be kind of interested, and actually would go to church if someone invited him. If one of his friends invited him to church, particularly his girlfriend, Salty Sally, or Salty whatever it is, if she invited him, he'd go. And so that kind of helps, and then that uh, kind of helps our communications, but actually it helps our mission strategy. Let's run a mission event that Salty Steve would come to. So we ran a, we ran a PlayStation tournament for FIFA, and we had like 30 guys we'd never met come, and they were like closet gamers, and they had this soccer tournament on big screens, and they loved it. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's a whole different thing, but it helps with you particularly if you want to communicate. Yeah. So, we're thinking about your context. You might have done this already. Uh, I'll, give you a couple, I'll give you a moment or so. Have you got a question? Yeah. So, how do you decide who you're going to narrow that down to and who you're going to leave out of that? Yeah. Uh, I think it's probably partly your context. Who are the people in your area? Um, I think, like, led by your ministry team. So, yeah. for me, working in this context at EV, that's been established quite a number of years ago by the leadership team um, and then it, you know, shifts and change and um, gets narrowed and focused in different places and different ways. The key thing you want to do is start with hard data as well. Like if you're going to say, okay, we, we, you could easily pull any pen portrait out of the sky and that we've got Jeff who happens to like ice creams and walks down the street looking for... Um, you know, ways to litter the street and da da da. If you did that, you're kind of just picking him out of nowhere. What you want to do is start with hard data and kind of go, okay, how do I actually you know? Go to the ABS, work with ID.com, understand who are the who's the broad demographic that we're there, and there, there might be a few. So Salty Steve uh, is part of Salt, but he also there might might be a number of different ones. There might be the retirees, like Andy was talking about with Mullingar. Um, understand what that breakdown is and create it off hard data. So you go, actually, we've got 60% of people that are, uh, I'm going to pick a really random one so you guys got it, that are single parents for some bizarre reason in the suburb that we're at. Okay, that really helps us understand who we're starting to talk to. Okay, of those single parents, who are they? Where do they go? To, what's their employment status? How are they working? Where do they work? How close are they to their jobs? If you start with data, that'll actually really help you narrow it down and work out something that means that you're not just talking about a, a figurative person, but you've actually got uh, stats that are backing it up and you, know, you can be confident in what you're kind of saying. Hey, when we talk about Salty Steve, we know who he is and how he's likely to react. It's partly the who's in your church at the moment. If you've already established church trying to work it out, it's that. And I think it's also who's the pickier audience and we'll target to them a little bit. Uh, because we, we get 30-something, like late 30s or 40s parents with kids and they're very happy that they'll come to a church that's aimed at the someone 10 years younger because they like to think they're actually 10 years younger than they are. Um, <laughs> and the retirees are fine with it. And, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah, but definitely look at the, the data and the needs in the area because if there's 10 churches all trying to reach the yep. same group of people, um, effectively or not, you know... Yeah. And there's lots of good churches in Wollongong. We started Wollongong. We started Salt in Wollongong, and there were lots of retirees in lots of mm-hmm. churches. And there wasn't many. When we looked into it, there's not many thirty-year-old churches around. So that was part of it. Too. You do yeah. effort graphic and change as well. Just make sure you keep on. You, know, you kind of go, oh yeah, we set our uh, idea of salty, or oh, I won't be because salty is completely fine. <laughs> uh, but say, say something else. Um, 
if it hasn't been changed in the last five years or you haven't looked at the stats, make sure you revisit them. Know what is actually happening. Know how your local community is changing and shifting as people come and go through. How that will help you continue to stay razor sharp of who other people we're trying to reach that aren't yet within our, within our church. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I don't know. Do you want to spend a couple of minutes discussing with the person next to you your context? Would that be helpful? Or do you want to go away and think about that? I mean, do you minutes. Context that might be a helpful exercise. Oh. Um, just one more thing. Um, you don't want to. I don't want. I didn't say this, but just because you're aiming church at one group of people doesn't mean everyone's not welcome. Does that make sense? You're still very much. We're on mission to the whole city, and we want everyone. Everyone who comes to your church is welcome, but you can't aim your church at everyone. So does that make sense? That's a bit of a distinction there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a challenge. It's a challenge. Yeah. Um. So the next thing I'm going to talk about is internal and external comms. And I think now that you've thought about your context, it's good to just look at that context in terms of the insider, a bit like what Ray was talking about yesterday, and the outsider, and what communications differences and, you know, cross things, I can't think of a word, um, you're going to do um, in regards to those two groups. So just a pretty straightforward diagram, but... The insider is the people in your church, and they might, um, so they'll be the, the members, the regulars, um, so people that feel at home, that call this place, this church, your church, home, um, and communicating to these groups. This is just a few things. We'll include things like teaching and training, so the preaching, teaching, training, um, church news, event advertising, um, connection and community events. So... You're sort of drawing in messages about all the things about life in church. So, in comparison, the, out, the external audience um, is the outsider. Now, they might be people who are fringe members, but they're not, they're not really in-in. So, you just need to be a bit more careful with your messages, um, regularity of how you communicate with them and that sort of thing. But it's generally the, the outsider and the wider community, um, or the new person that comes in. And so things like, you know, the welcoming front door, marketing of, of, you know, mission events, community engagement and public profile, those are the kinds of messages that um, you'll be thinking about with your external audience. So just got you a couple, a bit of a list of comparative things. Um, it's not exhaustive, but just gives you an idea. External audience, you kind of want to be communicating things about who we are, what we believe, what we're like. What's it like coming to church? Um, who's on staff, maybe? What's coming up? Are there youth or kids programs? You know, what are the people like? Um, that sort of thing. And then internal, so caring for the people inside your church, it's going to be that more personal level of information, you know, sharing uh, church news with uh, each other, um, you know, info on rosters and car parking duties or those sorts of things, Bible study notes, training programs, um, camp info, giving info, that kind of thing. So you can just sort of see um, there's differences. Some of them will overlap. Um, but just to keep in mind that there are different messages for different groups of people. And this is a, a broad internal-external division. But you'll have other groups within those as well. You know, the mums group or the... <coughs> the men or the retirees, that sort of thing. 
So following on from, so you've got your context, you're looking at your audiences, and then you want to look at your channels. And who's doing this one? Uh, so your channel is your different ways that you will communicate to those internal and external audiences. Um, so the question I think would be helpful, what are some good communication channels that a church could use? Any thoughts? Well, Sermon. Sermon, yep. That's the, probably one of the biggest ones, isn't it? Yep. Signage. Signage, yep. Internal and external signage, yeah. And website. Website, yeah. Instagram. Instagram, yeah. Social media stuff. Announcements. Yeah, Sunday announcements in church, yeah. Mail out flyers. Yeah, yeah. And again, that's you could have mail outs to members or flyers dropped in mailboxes for community. Can you shoot? Sorry? Can you shoot? Yeah, yep. You hand out top thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's lots. And I think this is part of the problem. Um, there, <laughs> yeah, there's a few there. Um, lots of different lots of different channels across lots of different uh, areas and it can it can be overwhelming. Um, and uh, these are not specifically church ones either. These are just communication yeah. channels. Uh, you've got some the I don't know, you know, podcasts or Emails, your songs you sing, they communicate something. Um, your, you might have a Facebook group for members that's internal. Uh, lots of different things. Uh, you, you, even your members, your church members, as they talk to other people who don't go to your church. The, what they say communicates. And so some things you have a lot of control over, some things you don't have much control over at all. Um, but there's just there's a lot there. And so many channels to choose from, uh, but I think do you want to talk about tools? Oh yeah, so we're just going to mention tools are the things that make the messages that you then use the channels to distribute. So just like your Photoshop and Canva and video files, that kind of thing. So just trying to put the lingo into a context for you. We're not going to spend much time on them now unless someone's got a question but yeah but we um, do have them in the handout as well so to help you guys think through tools you can use we've got the handouts there there's yeah. some helpful bunch of resources that for that yeah. um, but we're going we're doing overall strategy at the moment for what does it look like to do comms well and then we can put that into practice as we go and if you guys got got specific questions about tools later on feel free to ask us we can put them into those so lots of channels uh the temptation can be just to try and do all of them uh, or do it reactionary and you just, and, it, uh, and you can't. You can't do all of them. You can't do all of them well at least. So how, what do you do? What do you do? So I'm sure you guys are already feeling really overwhelmed, right? If you're doing church comms, I think we all understand how overwhelming it can feel. You've got a million one other different jobs. You've got all of these potential channels you can do. Each of them take up time. Uh, each of them are overwhelming. Each of them you might feel skilled in a particular area. You might be like, yes, I know how to email. Got that down But how do I do social media? Or how do I understand that? Or I've got no idea how to design a flyer in a thing called InDesign and doing all of it. All of that just starts to add up and overwhelm. And so what we want to introduce to you guys is that how do you use your time well as someone that is in church comms? Because it is overwhelming. You are pulled in a million different directions, not only by yourself and your own time, but 
uh, the rest of your church as they say, hey, why don't we have a this, or we should be doing this. And I'm sure we just want to say church comms is a really difficult area because it's whack bang in the middle of that mission ecosystem because you're trying to do things for all of these different areas of church that are wanting to be able to broadcast and push out what they're doing, both internally and externally. So if you're here and you're feeling overwhelmed as a church comms person, you're in... Uh, you, you, we're all here together. It's, it's hard. Um, but we want to introduce a couple of things that might be helpful in thinking through that. So I want to talk you through this. Where do you best spend your time? Uh, so I've got a couple of... The, uh, the main thing I want to say to you is it's a balance. Um, by the way, if you guys are trying to take photos, etc., what we can do for you on the app, we'll throw the uh, the slides all onto the app for you. You've got the PDF, there'll be high res, you can... Do, but you're welcome to still take photos. <laughs> but uh, we'll throw that on afterwards. At the moment, the app just has your handout notes and what you've got in your hands. But we'll throw the presentation slides on straight after this. Yeah, um, so I want to say it's a balance of how you spend your time. And so... Uh, the first thing you kind of so, so down the left hand side there you've got uh, a blue section. Don't, if you can't see out the back, I'll, I'm just going to read these out for you so it's clear. Uh, you've got the blue section. That's church. The green section is uh, the individual that you're actually trying to reach. And so it's a balance, right? So if we start with how much time is this going to take you as the church comms person? This could take you five minutes to do. It could take you 20 seconds to do. It could take you 15 hours to do. You've got to weigh up how much time is this going to take me. But you've also got to understand for the person that you're trying to reach, is this actually going to have an impact upon them? So you could spend 65 hours putting together the world's most incredible vision video that you know, you've learned how to use a camera, you've edited the system, you've, you've pushed it out, you've made a massive big, uh, splash, and then the, the, the impact on the person that's actually received it kind of goes, eh, no, not really. So you need to weigh those two things against one another. So is a vision video something that is going to be really helpful for you, or is it something that that actually won't make an impact upon your audience. And that all starts with actually knowing who your audience is. So start there. That is your first step of kind of going, how do I balance my time? How much time have I got versus how much of an impact is this going to make? The second one is goes, okay, how much of a benefit of this is for church, right? So if I am trying to get someone's contact details, say we're out in the community and they're filling out like an iPad survey, uh, that's a big benefit for us, right? That's a connection point that we can call, email, talk to you later on. Massive chance for us to connect with someone, but what value is that individual actually going to get? Are they just going to be able to go, oh, okay, or are you kind of having a bit of a value exchange? Okay, you fill this out, we'll be able to give you a free bubble, what Bible, whatever it happens to be. There needs to be a value exchange. If someone sees no perceived value in being able to uh, listen to what you've got to say, they're not going to tune in too much, so you need to think through that. Next thing you want to say is, how frequently are you going to be doing this? How often are you sending it out? Uh, are you sending something weekly? Are you sending a monthly email? Are you doing social posts 16 times a day or just once a week on a Sunday? You need to work out how often am I doing this particular thing with how much of an intrusion is it uh, to that particular person in their life. I used to work, at, I used to work with uh, NRMA. They used to have what they would say was kind of like an intrusion score. So for the person that receives a message, they would go, Oh my goodness, you've actually, like, that feels like an intrusion in my life. So I put SMS up there as a the SMS to me. So if I get uh, my little rosters sent out to me uh, from my you know, church software and it sends SMSs, I feel like I'm kind of like, hey, this is my phone, don't send stuff. I'm like, like that's, SMS is very personal to me. It feels like a, an intrusion to me. Uh, same as getting a door knock. A door knock is a very high, we're coming into your life. That's a big intrusion, but uh, you need to balance that with you know how frequency is it. But then different audiences, so the youth, they don't read emails, mm. they want text, or they want an Instagram post about it or something. But you, you don't want you knocking on the door, no. but an older person will love it. <laughs> yeah. So you, 
depends on your audience, right? So you need to balance it. And again, social media posts are really low touch for someone. They can just scroll straight past whatever you've got to say as a chip, but really quick for you guys to be able to get out as well. And so you need to balance those. Final thing it just says, how many people are we actually reaching? We could go and you know hire a plane and get 10,000 flyers and let them all out over the local suburb and we'd reach millions of people, but is the, is the message actually relevant to them? And so that's why it's important, not only to have one target, but to actually think, when, the, when we're sending this out, is it specific, is it contextual, is it relevant to the person that is actually receiving that message? Uh, and that comes into uh, multiple languages as well. You know, making sure that we're really targeted who we're talking to makes a difference. Uh, and so church announcements there, for example, we had, uh, just to say one potential internal one, we're reaching a lot of people, but does everyone really need to hear about this particular thing that is very specific that's happening uh, for a small group of people? We'd say, you know, there's the potential to say no. And this all starts to give you the chance to push back on other people. I mean, it seems like, we need to announce this, we need to announce this, we need to announce this. You go, well, actually, maybe a more effective way of reaching those people would be to do A, B, or C. We'll send them a very specific social media post, or they'll get an email to a select group. Whatever it happens to be, it helps you work out what you say no to, what you say yes to, and where to spend your time. So, we're going to go through uh, a church or consumer journey, uh, people will call it kind of user journey, consumer journey, I call it like a, a church journey uh, for us, uh, the whole way through whenever you hear user, I've just swapped it out for churchy, we, you guys get what I mean. Uh, so, a really helpful way to actually work out what does it look like for us to, uh, you know, understand the people that we're reaching is to take a walk in their shoes. And, and doing a, a user journey or a churchy journey is a really helpful way to do that. So you can build a map uh, and, and kind of go, okay, how do we, if we go up to 30,000 feet and look down upon this person's journey throughout their uh, time at our church or even not knowing about us and then coming through the front door for the first time, what are the things that they're experiencing? What are the things we're saying along the way that can help them? It's a really useful tool, not only for you guys to do as church comp people, but also for your whole church to say, okay, let, let's step this through. This is actually, written, and I'm going to push you guys to do this later on, is to have a practical exercise where you do this as, as a church team. I'm not just saying staff team there. I'm saying, as a church, think through this stuff really well. Um, the process of mapping the journey encourages you, remind you to consider the entire church's experience. So what are their feelings? What are their questions? What are the things that they interact with uh, as they encounter your church? Now, I say encounter purely because it might be external, they might see on social media, or they might actually be coming through the doors. And so think through this journey as a team. So the things I want you to start with is you can see uh, four red squares there, uh, and then there's a so what at the bottom. So what are the questions that these people potentially have? What are the pain points that they're going through? What's a really great experience that they might be able to have? What's the, what's the win moment for them? And what are the assumptions that you're addressing as they come through? And so we want to articulate from the start, what are our goals? And then kind of work through this through their journey. And, and it's really important that we think through this, not only just for one particular person in your church, um, but think through this for multiple people. Think through what does it look like for the young adult? What does it look like for the disabled person at your church? Uh, what does it look like for uh, parents? Uh, are they understanding, you know, do they get information beforehand? Are you communicating well about uh, what youth programs there are? How do you tell people about the youth programs? How are parents finding that information either before they visit your church or even while they are at church? What are your kids learning? All of that while they're at, you know, at uh, kids club at church. All of that is communicating. So we need to be really careful in making sure we do that well. And so we want to literally walk in their shoes. A really helpful way to do it is to literally do that. Pretend you're an outsider. Walk through. Can we go back two seconds, right? Sorry. 
walk through their shoes. Kind of walk in pretending you're someone new. If you can't pretend that you're someone new in your church, go and ask a mate who's never walked through your church before and get them to do kind of like a, a blind shopper experience where they're able to walk through and kind of go, what does it look like? What did you experience? Chat to them afterwards. Um, chat to the people that have left your church. Um, if you're able to be in contact with them, why? Was there things that we could have done better? Was there ways we could have communicated that uh, would have allowed you to uh, felt like you were able to connect more? All of that's really important. Uh, the main thing I'm trying to say to you is be curious. Uh, kind of understand, okay, at this point in the journey, w- w- what's happening here? And so that's where this can be really helpful. So feel free to go there. Thank you very much. Um, so I've, I've put different uh, ones there that you can see along the top. So that's that blue line. Think it through from, okay, so if you're uh, wanting to learn about God, say there's someone that's going to go, I want to learn about God, and they're just at home and they're a bit confused about life. What are the questions that they've potentially got? What are the pain points they might have? What's a great experience for them? And the assumptions address. Okay, so what are the questions they've got? Who is God? How do I find out about him? Or, for example, they might go onto Google and say, okay, where is my local church? That's a start. What's the pain point? Oh, there's no churches that are near me at all. Or I'm really confused about where to go. What's a great experience? Well, for them, the great experience is actually finding a really clear link. They're able to drive to that website. They're able to type it into mapping program, and it just gives them directions there. Uh, once the assumption that's addressed, churches are old and don't use technology. Uh, if we're able to address that and say, hey, we're actually here to help you come through the door for the first time, and we're ready and willing and, and keen to meet you, that's a win. And so what? What needs to change for us? Well, we need to be more findable, for example, as a church. Uh, the car park, really quick one. Uh, I won't go through that whole thing for this. But the car, you guys notice as you, as you came into EV, there's uh, spots already reserved. There's nice little signs for if you are new or visiting. They might have taken them out by the time we got here by Wednesday, but they were there on the Tuesday. There's really nice signs. Kind of saying, if you are new or visiting, what's the assumption address there? That, that, again, Graham ran through this before. Uh, saying, actually, there's, there's a space available where, where new people are important to us. Uh, making sure that the pain point of, oh my goodness, I'm not going to find a car park at church is, is, is addressed there. And so comms can, you know, these are just small examples, uh, but they really help you kind of work through throughout the whole journey of their time at church. What are we doing? How are we communicating? How do we do it, do it better? Uh, I put, you know, during the service there, they might be confused about why we sing songs. What are you doing to address that? And it might be uh, in terms of follow-up. How are we making sure that we communicate really clearly? As you're starting to see... Comms isn't just uh, social media posts after Sunday with a great caption. Uh, it's all of this and it all encompassed together as part of this ecosystem to say, we've got to do this well. Um, so one, um, what I'm saying there is uh, one way to facilitate this exercise back home is to literally put that uh, as a projection up on a wall. And you guys can just do it as a team. Write down, uh, each of you can take one, you can do little post-it notes, stick it up on a team, and just go, stick it up on the wall, sorry, and just work your way through it. Understand, okay, at this particular point, what are we feeling? And just post it up. Uh, so print out that little section, go through the different journeys that people might be on, and remember, you're going to have to do that for multiple demographics. Um, what the disabled person needs to see on your website is very different to what the parent needs to see on your website. Yeah, uh, They both need to be able to see what is my potential journey going to be like as I arrive, even before they want to plan their visit before they come to your church and say, what might your website say? Two different audiences two very different experiences, and you guys need to think through this for all of the different types of people that are at your church. Uh, we're going to watch a quick video. Uh, Rachel, you want to introduce it? Sure. Don't be overwhelmed, but we didn't make it. So that's, you know. <laughs> um, it's just an example of a church doing a welcome video to have on their website to help people feel at ease as they come through to church. And, yeah, see yeah, what, what you can pick up 
um, and how useful it is for and how useful it is in communicating to people coming into church. We're going to reverse engineer it in a moment, so we'll play this, have a think through what they're trying to do. So I'm really trying to grab your attention. We are a church that meets at the movies, and with that, there's a ton of questions people have. I think it's best if I just take you there myself and kind of go through what Sunday morning looks like at Passion Creek Church. I'd love to start in the parking lot and just bring you along literally what the whole thing would look like so you don't have any questions. So usually on Sunday mornings, you'll see this nice sign here. You'll keep walking. And here's where a lot of people have questions. They wonder, do I get a ticket? Do I not get a ticket? You're it's actually quite simple. There is no need to get a ticket. You just go to the right. You'll see one of our signs right here. And actually, we'll have a welcome team member welcome you in. And then they'll make sure that, you know, you don't get in trouble for not having a ticket. My man. Here for church. Good morning. Hello. Thank you. So as you see, we always get a bulletin on your way in so you can look at it. This is kind of your way to figure out what's going on today, what our message is going to be about. Every single Sunday, we always have Theater 9 and Theater 10. Now, Theater 9 is for the adults. Uh, for the older kids to worship with us. We always start at 10 and we always have to end by 11. And then the kids' church at the movies, we have a nursery for those zero, you know, to where they still have diapers. And then beyond that, we have like a preschool age to where they actually watch a Bible story on the big screen, sing some songs, and then do a craft together. Have fun at the nursery. Okay. Love you. We absolutely love our kids. That was a great way to get stopped. So I want to talk to you about what the Sunday morning experience looks like. Again, we always start at 10 a.m., always end at 11 a.m. Now, if you've never been to church before, we get it. There's a lot of questions about it. Here's how it goes. We usually start out with the intro video because we're at a movie theater. Second thing we do is we do two worship songs. And then I preach from here about 30 to 35 minutes. We always go somewhere in the Bible. And then we have two songs to end. If you are a visitor for the first time, you get this red box. Let me show you. All right. Now, of course I can't show you what's in the box. You have to come yourself, but it's full of goodies. I promise you, you'll appreciate it. We try to go above and beyond just to bless. We have these light bulbs here. These represent baptisms we've had at our church. I hope you guys check it out on our website. You can let us know in advance if you're coming. And we'll make sure we get your kids checked in, answer any questions you have. I really hope you guys check us out. We just love King Jesus. We want to make a big deal about him. And if that's something you're interested in, we would love to see you. Now, it's an imperfect video, but a bit of fun. So let's reverse engineer it. Uh, so we're not saying it's perfect, but we are saying it's... Let's, let's work our way through it. So if we go to the next one, I, I, I want you guys to yell these things out to me. Um, so if we go back through it, what is this video actually trying to address? What are the questions that people might have? How do I get in? How do I get in? Ooh, where are the tickets? No. What other stuff? Do I have to pay? Do I have to pay? Yeah. How <laughs> <laughs> kids? Are they kids? Yeah. yeah. How long is it for? How long is yeah. it for? Massive one. I was really interested in that actually. That he said multiple times what time it ends. I was like, huh? That's actually a really big thing. A lot of non-Christians have is how? When can I get out of here? And before <laughs> they actually come off. Nice. What other stuff? Other questions to address? Where do I go? Where do I go? Anything else? What happens throughout the service? What happens throughout the service? Like, what pain points do you potentially do? Front door. Yep. Yeah, what you do with your kids, yeah. What you do with your kids, yep. 
How do I deal with the cinema people? So yeah. You walk past them? That's right, yep, exactly. Nice. What else? Feeling lost. Feeling lost, yep. Will my kids be safe? What are they gonna do? Mm. How about a great experience? What was the what was the great what what made you kind of go, oh yeah, I'd like to come along? Get a box. You get a box, <laughs> okay, box yeah. Of what else did, it wasn't just that, what else was there? Multiple welcoming people. Yep, yep. And the popcorn. The popcorn, yep, nice. Assumptions that are addressed. That you haven't been to church before. You haven't been to church before, yep. What else? One of the big things that videos and photos address is what to wear. Yeah, yeah. You see the same wear, blah, 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 blah. You just take a photo of the church. Yeah, yeah. Mm. That's the question. And who really do you nice. are. Yeah, yeah what and that's, are. that's a really big one as well, guys. You might think, oh my goodness, putting something like that together is terrifying and I have nowhere near the skill or time to do something like that. Just having a website that shows authentic pictures of what your church looks like is a massive... Don't get stock photos. Use real photos of real people that are in your churches and show them what Sunday looks like. That's possible. We all have one of these and we all somewhat know how to throw a photo onto somewhat of a website. Um, do that. Help people know what is it going to look like on a Sunday for them to walk through. Nice. Anything else? The big assumption addressed was that people don't become Christians because he had all those light bulbs saying each one of these represents someone who got baptised. That's... that's Attacking that defeated belief that oh, nobody becomes a Christian, nobody would join a church. Actually, look at all these little light bulbs. That's nice. a really nice little touch. Nice. So you can do this through everything. Go and, go and reverse engineer all the other church comms that you see and start to think through what are they trying to do by doing this. But make sure, most importantly, you guys do this for yourselves in your own context and really think it through. Because not everyone's in the cinema, right? Yeah. Nice. All right, we're going to get moving. So, church stages. Um, so, I'm gonna, like I said, I'm going to go small churches uh, for church plants. That's what I've kind of been involved in over the last seven years or so, um, doing comm stuff. Andy's then going to go through next stage, and Rachel go through next stage. But we're just really keen to give you guys a few tips as you're in these particular areas. So, so for me, the first thing I want to say, if you're in the stage of being either a uh, church startup or a smaller church, uh, is number one is just get started. Uh, not communicating is communicating. I think I said that before. Um, if you don't have a website, that says something. If you're not on social media, that says something. If people can't find your church, that says something. Um, that says you guys aren't interested in me coming along as a non-Christian. Uh, make sure that you actually communicate. Get onto this stuff. Get a one-page website up and running. Uh, have a vision on there. Have a location. Have times. Show who's involved and, and the people that are there. Um, you can see a quick screenshot of the one we did for Grace City. Uh, what we started with there is actually what we've kept because we addressed those questions right up front. It said, okay, how do I get directions? Can I let you know that I'm coming along? How do I find out about your vision, the videos there? What's the address? What time do you start? All of that should be front and centre and really crystal clear for all of your churches. What does it look like for you to come along? The other thing is get your social handles sorted. Make sure that you actually have a page on Facebook and on Instagram to start with, particularly in the Aussie context. Uh, we can go through deeper with your questions later on on social media, but at least start with those two. Uh, Twitter's kind of dead in Australia, though. If you have the time, you're welcome to kind of throw a bit more time into it. Uh, but at least start with those. And submit, all of, uh, submit your church location to all of the mapping systems. And not just Google, jump on Apple Maps as well and Bing. Make sure that if someone searches for you guys, they find you. Uh, for us at Scott's Church at the moment, the number one driver for people walking through the door is that they found us online. That is their first it, it, uh, work with an organisation as well called New Front Door. It really is that. The church website really is the new front door. Make sure you guys are 
really thinking through what is our online presence and are you findable? Cool. Uh, second thing I say is make a team. Um, even if it's just you to start out with, you might feel all alone. Uh, you don't have to have crazy professional skills in, in church communications to start with. Uh, it's really about just getting your keen beans and saying, if we want to communicate well as a church, let's get around this and let's start to think through how we can do this better. Uh, be regular, set regular meetings so that you're not, uh, again, we don't want church comms to fall by the wayside and just kind of get run over and forgotten about. Uh, don't be one of those churches that still has Christmas messages up on your website in January, February, later on. Yeah, make sure that you're, you're regularly checking in on this stuff. That's really helpful. I'm passing no, you up. That's good. Number three is to have a process. Uh, we want to have a comms calendar uh, and have a brief template. We'll flick out the resources for you guys. The comms calendar helps you to actually know what's the process you're working through. And number four is get help. Uh, so two organisations are excellent. Uh, virtual Church Assist, if you guys are struggling with graphic design stuff particularly, these guys are great, they can do hourly rates for you, they do some really good deals around Easter, Christmas, stuff like that. If you don't have the skills for that, chat to them. Uh, new Front Door, uh, I said I'm involved with them so I realise that I've got a bit of a conflict there, but it, they are helpful uh, and they do help kind of go, if you don't have the IT skills to start with or you, that is just too much to handle, they're there from the very beginning to say, let's help get you up and running and be able to support you throughout the whole process. Uh, stuff like keeping your website updated, they'll keep you on track with stuff like that. Uh, There's also a whole list in the booklet. Mm. There's also as well. Andy. Uh, so thinking the next size up, uh, 75 to 200, uh, building on what Gus has said. So you might not have got around to doing some of those things, it'd be worth doing that, making sure you're on the maps or doing all those other things. Create a comms calendar or whatever it is, but some specific things. Um, if you've, if you've started a team at the small size, you want to start growing that team uh, or building that team. And so it's going to be a team of volunteers. Rachel will talk a bit more about this and how to lead that team, but uh, a team of volunteers to help with the work, really. So you might be looking for, there might be people in your church who are good at this or keen to do this sort of stuff, and they can help design graphic stuff, uh, update your website, people that can take photos. Uh, you, so if you've got a special event coming up, get a photographer from church to, or someone to take photos because those photos are going to be really useful later to then uh, to you know, put around the place. Um, film, video, or editing, if you want to do those kind of things, it's helpful if it's not uh, you doing it, but if, if you, the more volunteers you have doing this, the more you're able to do. So that's really good. Uh, and have a, as your team grows, you want to have a volunteer to lead the team as well. So the, don't just put the best designer to lead the team, try and find a good leader because you want a good leader to lead that team. Um, people can often get burnt out in those roles, and so you want someone who's good at discipling and you know, love those people in that team. Uh, as part of that as well, set a clear expectation. So have role descriptions so people are clear what their role is. So if they're a volunteer doing comm stuff, they know what that means. Uh, and you give feedback and support, uh, as well as that, be kind to them. So we try and do six weeks lead time. So if you need something designed, give six weeks, because they're often working full time, they're trying to fit it in other things. Six weeks, maybe more two months is uh, Depends on the thing, yes, but um, you probably want to do, uh, Gus skipped over this a bit, but um, a brief, we'll, we'll send, are we going to send a link to a brief or something? 
we, we, so we've got all of our, so we've got different creative briefs that we use that help have that process. I'll just kind of move through, through it quickly, yeah, so yeah. sorry for missing that. Okay. Uh, but it does really help your creatives in your church know, okay, uh, this is what they're getting week to week in their daily jobs if they're graphic designers, etc. Here's how we can love them well as, yeah. as churches is to have that process. I think the danger can be, you just, you call, you call, you know one of your designers and say, hey, we need a thing for Christmas. Go. Go. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, well, what do I do with that? So if you're doing well with the stuff that Graham was talking about, or oh, Graham or Sam, the calendar, so if you look for yeah. mission calendar, for example, there shouldn't be any surprises for your comms team as to what is coming up. You know, we know Christmas is coming up. What are you doing yeah. next? Like, what is your yearly calendar look like? Um, there's stuff that happens here. It happens every year, slightly different dates. They move around slightly, but... Generally, I know what's coming up, um, and then it's a matter of just following up the detail. But yeah, six weeks is what we work to as well as a minimum. If it's an update of a slide, three yeah, weeks, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, if it's Christmas, six months. It's just so much depending on the thing. Yeah. It might need more time. Like, yeah. It might need, yeah, more definitely might need more time. Yeah. A video is going to need more for sure, that kind of stuff, or a bigger job, bigger project. Um, yeah, and don't just say we need a thing. Try and give examples. Try and be specific. Tell them the why. Why do we need this thing? What is it going to look like if people, if the communication is effective? What, if, what do you want people to be on board with? Though, like, the more you have information you're able to give a designer, the better job they'll do. And I guess as a comms person in a church, I've kind of found that, um, so we have other staff members and they've got something on, an event or something happening, but they are not comms people, they don't know about all the channels and all the graphic design things that they could do. So one of your roles is to help them work out what they need, what needs to be produced. What messages are you trying to give to what groups of people and what's the best way to do that and therefore we need to produce this. So like having that conversation and planning session first, then you know, then you've got your six weeks to allocate the designer and book a photographer and Love your teeth. As well as that, you want to integrate comms oh, oh, into the rest of right. what your church That's is doing. Right. Back one. Yeah. So uh, integrate comms if you can with this with the rest of your staff team. Um, uh, those of you who are doing this part time or volunteering, you're thinking, yeah. So many times, people who do comms don't actually know what's going on uh, uh, because they're left out of the meetings. Um, and so if you've got someone who's managing it or someone is volunteering or whatever, include them in as much as you can about church life because a lot of stuff you don't need to think about. Not You don't just need to communicate events. There's a lot of other stuff you need to be communicating and the comms people being on board with that uh, and so being on, you know, understanding what's going on around church and why, um, that kind of thing. Uh, and make comms the default. So after any meeting it's helpful to ask who needs, who needs to know this? We've made some decisions. Who needs to know these decisions and and uh, how are they going to get communicated those decisions? Um, otherwise, you have a staff meeting and it stays within the staff team for a month and they like, oh, we forgot to... So, you know, action that out. Um, cascading information, that's all helpful. Uh, comms calendar, what that looks like is you've got your channels that you use across the year and then what, at what times of the year using different channels. So you don't want to send an email out to everyone in your church and then the next day you're like, oh, I've got to send an email to everyone to church about this other thing. 
and then everyone gets two emails, and, and you're like, well, what are you doing? So, you know, map it out across the year or across the next month. What do we need to communicate? What are the channels? How are we going to do it? Let's put a post here. We'll do a Sunday announcement. This can go over here, and then you can spread out. And someone says, can I get this thing announced? You say, well, we can't do it that, but how about you? How about you print something out and put it on chairs, and that's it, or whatever it is. Again, we'll give you guys the examples of our comms calendars and our briefs as well, so you guys can use them as you want. Yeah. Um, be agile with the channels that you use. So you don't want to burn your channels. So you want to adapt how you use channels as, you, as your church grows, as your needs grow. Um, so don't, I don't know, this is a fun thing. Uh, don't announce everything on a Sunday. Uh, people often think that's the way to get things done. But you're going to burn that channel, or emails, or SMS, as Gus was saying. Think about a strategic strategy about how you're going to communicate all the different things, and particularly uh, with a small thing with announcements, we only announce things that relate to everyone at church. Um, and so we won't announce a marriage day because not everyone's married. So, okay, how, what are the other channels we can communicate the marriage day? Um, we won't, we, well, we do announce uh, a mission event to everyone. Uh, not everyone there's thinking about Jesus, but we actually want everyone at church knowing that we're a church on about mission. Does that make sense? So using your announcements to shape culture. And so in that way, yeah, that announcement relates to everyone, even though so that's something we've been kind of struggling through. Um, yeah, so and you're gonna, as you grow, you might change the way you do different channels. You're gonna kill some channels. You're gonna start new channels. So we've started recently uh, a closed Facebook group for our 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. because we there was a lot of announcements we couldn't announce and so putting them on that and also provides a space for members to talk to each other and that was a we created that channel to take stuff from other channels and put it there. We've also done that recently too yeah. for the same reason to develop community yeah. in smaller smaller groups. I mean like the morning service and the night service which have different focuses. Yeah. We just started doing vision nights at church a couple of times a year because we found that church wasn't really getting this mission. Of, we knew big picture vision, but we didn't really know what is it going to look like for us at church the next few months. So we do a thing called Grow, where we get all of church together on Friday night, have dinner together, and we know no one's allowed to have meetings to attend the side, so make everyone get there, and we, we talk about this is where we're going, and everyone's on board. So that's a new channel we created to try and solve a problem, communication <coughs> problem. So, Anyway, revisit the journey. You keep needing to. Things are going to need more attention. Uh, well, sorry, I'm stuck. Um, grow quality. Uh, so if you've been going for a while, you might need to keep adding things, keep growing stuff, add to your website. If you've only got that one page website, you can add a few more pages, that kind of stuff. Uh, you can raise the quality of things. So do things, do more things better, but you can also do less. So work out what what is working well. Put time into that. Kill the things that aren't working that well. Don't spread yourself too thin, uh, and keep going back to that visit, that user journey. How are people finding out about our church now? It might have been different five years ago. Yeah. Okay, so in a bigger context, there's obviously more people um, and resources that we have, although it's not always a given that they'll be um, creatives or comms type people. So just kind of giving you an idea that there are tasks and roles in the comms team that are not necessarily requiring skills in creative content generation and that sort of thing. So you do have, you know, graphic designers and photographers and film and video and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> but 
you also have non-creative roles. So we've got people who upload the sermons or update content on the website. Just, you know, you teach them how to do it. They know how to do that task and <coughs> off they go with that role. Um, yeah, and like Andy said, team leaders and project managers. You know, leader type people, not necessarily doer, creative type people. Um, so I guess in the bigger context, I thought I'd just give you an example of how we've set up our team here at EV. Um, <clears throat> looks great, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> doesn't work great <laughs> all the time. But um, we've got eight sections. We've got people in each of those eight sections. Some of the things, um, like the photography team, uh, it's not their primary ministry. So they're growth group leaders or they're EV kids teachers or they're you know, serving in the cafe. Um, and then they are also, you know, every now and then asked to do a photography job, you know, photograph this event, all sorts of things. Um, so it may look like it's a lot, um, and on paper there's a lot of names under those headings, but they're kind of not full-time people. Um, and I guess one of the things, like it's, it is a challenge managing a team of volunteers this big, and in a sense, um, it's quite different to your other ministry teams. So your, your other ministry teams will be meeting regularly, they'll be serving together, they might be you know, welcoming together or you know, on the car park together, um, doing kids uh, classes and things like that. Whereas you will find with um, people helping out in your comms team, they're like a whole bunch of freelancers. You know, they're, they're at home on the computer, designing something there, they're taking the photographs and uploading them. Um, so I am challenged continually to work out how to get them to be a team. Um, let's meet together. What are we going to do when we meet together? Let's talk about Photoshop. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, it's not easy, um, but we keep trying. And yeah, the aim is to get everyone on board and committed to the task that they have. Um, which is one task that's part of the whole and part of yeah, the ecosystem, I guess. Um, yeah, so anyone got any tips? I'd like some. <laughs> so by that stage, would there be team leaders in each of those teams, or are you, is it actually just the That one would be ideal. <laughs> <laughs> um, at this stage, I really have a team leader in photography, and yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, so that team leader is kind of tasked with I've got a project or an event and I give her that task and she will book a photographer which would ideally you know I've got a project um, and I need a graphic designer I would give it to the team leader who would allocate it to the person yeah. and that's what we're working towards at this point, does a leader have to be a better manager than a creative yeah. person? So my photography team leader doesn't take photos. Mm -hmm. She does like photography. Um, she knows a little bit about it, but not... Yeah. We found that can be better because sometimes the, per the leader feels bad asking other people, so they're doing it all themselves, and then they're doing it all themselves and they feel disgruntled because no one else is helping them, and then they burn out and stop doing it. So, if they can't do it, it forces them to keep the job done people. And it does give you more resources to choose from there. Yeah. Um, and it's not a it's not a big load, that photography team leader role. Um, she's also a growth group leader. 
and I think she does something else as well, like Arena, as a volunteer. Hmm. Um, okay. So, just kind of summing up now, and then we'll try and get some questions in. Um, but I guess we just want to encourage you to keep being more strategic in what you're doing with church comms. Um, and keep, as you're growing bigger, God willing you will, um, you know, keep asking the same questions about time and resources and money. Um, you know, what are your key audiences that are going to achieve that church vision that you had right back at the beginning? Um, the key channels that are the most effective? Um, what money, dollars do you need to support these plans? Is there, you know, Facebook advertising, you know, ads, billboards, you know, for your context, what do you need to think about there? Um, and then who are the key people? Volunteer versus staff or key skills that you need to get this, the things done to achieve your goals and your vision. Um, and I reckon with social media, one good question is who's already doing it? Like, who who has the good social media profiles and updates, nice photos or whatever? You can kind of... That, that kind of person would be really excited to have the responsibility of doing it more for the church. So you kind of... Yeah, who's already doing some of those things? And I think, you know, okay. most young people pretty proficient on <laughs> social media. So, you know, other people you can train. Um, yeah. So just... Looking at what we started with, I guess pretty self-explanatory. Do you want to go for it? That's right. Yeah. yeah. This is oh. where we want you to be, where we want to be. That's that's a summary yeah. for you guys. I reckon we do. Um, we dive into Q and A. Mm -hmm. So, throw any questions for you guys. Stuff we've run through. Knowing that Facebook has much more females than males, uh, how do you do that? So we have an internal problems as well, but it's more women who are on it. Um, Statistically, in your close group, yeah, yeah. yeah. And statistically, those 60 40 across much NCLS stuff. How do you push against that? Because it's a really helpful thing because people can kind of opt in, scroll past that. But with guys who are less on it, and there's less guys in the church generally, how do you push against that? Well, if they're not on social media, yeah, they're, not on yeah they're not getting communicated as well. Yeah, you've got to find something else. What you, yeah, what is that else? Mm. Oh, okay. carry <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If you, I don't know your. Exactly. Well, I reckon it costs Australia though, because that's yeah. a stat that How do you guys do it? Well, so one of our focuses is young families. And although we do pitch our stuff at men, we do need to think, well, the women are the ones organising the family and, you know, the events that they're going to attend and what they're going to go to. So is there a bad thing about the women getting those messages? Um, yeah, I don't... We've, we've had in the past um, a guy in our membership team who was very strong on Instagram and he didn't like Facebook um, but because he had a profile and was a leader in Instagram, he's like getting other guys on board and um, so he did a bit of social media stuff for us but yeah, I don't know, I don't really think I have an answer for you. <laughs> what, would, what would they say if you asked them? Well, the guys, so you, you can use all the other avenues, obviously Facebook and Instagram is helpful, mm. but a lot of guys are not on it statistically. Yeah. So if you ask them, how would they, how would you like for them to be communicated to? Well, the thing is, if maybe mass text or stuff, but then that's a very personal thing, depending on which demographic you're talking about as well. So a men's event, yeah. if you do a church, that may help your mission stuff. Yeah. Uh, I, I, that's a struggle for us trying to work out what we do. Mm. Mm.
creating smaller groups as well, I found like particularly being able to say, okay, you don't have to always go, okay, what's the digital solution to it as well? There's, mm. there's going to be often times when we communicate and go, okay, guys, we're going to meet, even if it's up the front or it's around the corner, it's guys chatting to guys, sometimes we're going to go, we're getting together, we're meeting at the pub down here and we're going to talk about this, or we're meeting after church and we're going to do a smaller group and, and chat through things. It, it's, it's finding out from them what's the most, you know, likely way that they're actually going to talk with one another. I find guys that's, that's in person rather than social media or online or texting back and forth. And so you'd, you'd want to look at what it is you're actually, like, so it's an, an event. Say so you have an event for men and you want to get that message to them. So that's one way to go at it. And then you look at all the channels that might be appropriate. So Facebook's not going to work so much. You've got your bulk text. What about growth groups? Are there men's growth groups? But that, that conversation and relational thing and then maybe you're looking at a longer time frame, not just two weeks before, but people talking about it, you know, in a more longer time frame. Yeah. Shadows after as well. There's a couple of other reviews I'd be keen to run through that can get in case of questions as well. How important do you think you got how important do you guys think social media is now in communicating with the outsiders? Instagram. Um, I think in that cost-benefit analysis that Gav showed with those two polar things, I think Facebook, on the whole, is going to give you what is probably one of your biggest channels for giving you the biggest exposure with the smallest costs, really. So pay, paid ads, really. Facebook's pay-to-play. You have to really put people in to put money at it if you want someone to see it. Um, so, but no, not much money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five bucks will five do bucks. pretty well. Five bucks is it's good. Um, but and be really specific. Target only people within ten k's and the age and everything, and the, the people that. Yeah. So I think Facebook um, advertising can be really cost effective and quite simple. You just have a, a photo with a bit of text and. What are you doing on Facebook? Yeah, uh, yeah. We will we'll put money towards uh, a couple of times a year our big events that we want people to go to. Um, but our biggest one is the website, so people just can come through the website. We're now at the top of, if you'd search, so, yeah. I think this is some of the stuff Graham's going to build on tomorrow in the mission contact world. Yeah, social media for the outsider. Yeah, those big um, light contact, uh, light events. So Carol's Christmas, Easter, they're our big Facebook paid advertising things that we do. The other stuff we post is kind of a bit of developing our internal community, like celebrating what we do, like the great women's event we had, the men's camp that we had, here's some photos and sharing, you know, um, videos and things like that. Um, and which does any, two things. Is that on your public page, those yep, things? Yep. Yeah. So two things. It <laughs> helps us as a community celebrate, um, but it shows the outside of what it's like, mm. um, what things we do. Um, I was just going to say, on social, um, try your best not to advertise. There's so many companies that are advertising. Tell stories. Tell, it's like, just tell stories. So just show photos of who's there. Tell stories of what their, their journey's been like. Even if it's about Easter, tell a story yeah. about Easter. Don't just kind of go, our Easter service is at this particular point, so you're there. But setting um, up events is like yeah. getting your advertising in, but it's an event and, mm. you know, it's less sponsored ad. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, um, you talk about social media pretty generally. How do you treat differently Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that? Do you have very different philosophies with them? 
Yeah, I think they're two very different audiences yeah. and two very different uh, ways that they function. Uh, yeah. Instagram's super visual. Yeah. Uh, they, uh, Facebook's increasingly becoming so if you have text in it, they'll, they'll deprioritize it, yeah. even more so on Instagram. Uh, you need to, I think Instagram, it, the way we've been using it is to say, uh, we need to show our church. Uh, that, that's our version of the website that says, um, here's all the people that you're going to meet on a particular Sunday. Um, compared to Facebook, which can be a little bit more, hey, here's the link to go to here. Uh, Instagram's really difficult to drive the links. You can have one in the main profile, and we use a thing called Linktree if you're trying to drive off to a bunch of other different links and stuff like that. But it, they are two very different uh, social media channels to use. Uh, same again for uh, all sorts of other emerging ones. But if you're going to do two, I'd say do Facebook and Insta. But they're two very different ways of doing it. Um, yeah. How do you uh, navigate repeat announcements? So what we struggle with our church is we've got a baptism service. We announced that we have a baptism service three weeks down the track. And then we feel like no one heard it. So we announce it again. And then we announce it again. And by that time, people switch off. So they don't, I don't really hear anything about baptism service because they're like, oh, that's baptism service. So, yeah, how, do you have a philosophy about that? Do you repeat announcements? If so, how many times? There's a saying you've got to say something seven times before someone hears it, right? And so, what are those seven times? One or two of them, three of them could be at church, but what, there's four more. How do you go? What channels are you going to use to communicate those other ways? And so, often it's a, a couple of things. You can do a Facebook thing, external post if you want to, an internal post on your groups. Put it in, include it in your email to all your members if you do one of those every month or so. Announce it a couple of times. Like so. so you kind of bit of a scatter gun. So you kind of bombard them. A few different options, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the comms channel is going to help with that. So you'll be able to see across uh, when can you fit them in. Yeah. How do you manage permissions to use photos for marketing purposes, like particularly with kids and stuff? Like, yeah. Um, so here, our kids team run a program where you register, when you attend, you register your kid for, the, it's called EV Kids, Sunday school, um, and the form that they're filling is permission to use their photos or not. So then our church database system has a list of children who are yes or no. Um, so generally, we won't take photos of children in a um, church, like after church environment. Um, unless we know specifically that those children are on the yes list. Um, and then when we take photos in classes <coughs> for specific purposes, like we need a photo of kids, then we will yeah, double check that list to make sure kids are not in that photo. Um, so that's for kids. Um, I guess the, the information we've looked at and the approach we've taken for photographing adults, who people over 18, is um, in Australia there is, um, so legally there's no expectation of privacy when you're in a public space and we have taken the approach that church is a public space, we are welcoming of everyone. Um, that being said, we will, you know, try and take photos of our regulars um, uh, and not super new people. Uh, we done a couple of things where we wanted to promote our life series, which is for the Inquirer, someone looking into um, information about Jesus, 
and we actually ended up running a fake life night so that we could just make sure we weren't taking photos or video of um, people who were just trying to investigate Jesus and then they end up on some like social media post and you know, yeah, um, yeah, so that's an extreme. Like, we've done that once. Yeah. Other questions? No? Um, do you guys have any experience with church apps and interacting with people like we're doing it at a conference? Um, I found it interesting about have access. Have you guys got anything to say on interactivity? And... I got rid of the church app. So did I. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. doubling up of resources, time and energy. Um, our website's, uh, what do you call it, responsive. Um, you can have a shortcut on your phone to that. Uh, people don't download new apps very often unless they've got a specific purpose, like they make you do it here. <laughs> Is your website for the inside or the outside? Um, both, but we are redesigning ours to be more for the outsider with a space for the insider. Yeah. Again, to what Rachel's point, make your websites mobile responsive so that rather than driving to apps which are super high maintenance, you can just drive to the website and it's a natural. The, the app you guys are using for the conference is a web app. You might not know. It's not a clunky, you know, you have to built in, coded, da da da. It's a web app. Mm-hmm. It means that we can just like, change things really quickly. How many Facebook pages do you have? Um, two. Uh, we used to have maybe five. Yeah. Um, and the end of last year, had some changes at church, which was a good opportunity to consolidate them all. Actually, I have three. There's a sneaky one that I don't run. Which and, is... and what are they? So we have Main Church, um, EV Church, and then we have EV Youth. Um, there may be a one called Churn, which is like our Year Four, Five, Six youth group, which. They have sneakily taken and done one themselves. Um, and then within our main EV church one, we've got three closed groups for different types of people. So less is more? Is that what you're saying? Oh, definitely less is more. Less time and effort. Um, less different content that you need to create. Otherwise, you're just putting the same thing in multiple places, um, which the algorithm is not going to like, like the Facebook algorithm. Um, yeah. Yep. Uh, this is more, I guess, a philosophical question. Do you have any comments on uh, the fact that, there's, given there's a, an increasing distrust in institutions and institutional church and, and things like that, I've heard it said that the church's almost an anti-marketing approach is more effective. So I've heard a church that went, one year went with the, the glossy postcard for their Easter service in all the letterboxes. And then the next year they actually did almost deliberately a black and white photocopy on jagged, badly cut, like, like your advertising being a lawnmower or something. And it got a far better response. Spelling mistakes. Yeah, exactly. Like people are expecting there, there's a sense in which they, they, there's, a dis, they, there's a suspicion of marketing techniques and yeah. looking like you're a real estate agent like every other people with a budget for comms. Um, is, there an, is there anything that we should be factoring into us thinking about that, that kind of not deliberately make it being bad, but that kind of grassroots style of comms that... Well, I think back to context, you know, everybody's context is different. Um, one of the things I had to learn when I came here, I moved from Sydney, so I'm not a coastie, um, and I was just the architectural glossy world, you know, everything's got to be professional and top market, but this is a, this is more relaxed, we're, we're more coastal, we're, you know, they react against that sometimes. Yeah, so yeah, understanding your context and the audience and how they'll react 
Yeah, definitely. Take and you want to cut through. So if everyone else is doing this, try this. Yeah. If everyone's doing this photocopy thing, try the glosses. <laughs> and be authentic. Again, don't yeah. use stock photos. Like, yeah. please don't leave here and use stock photos. It'll be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Gus is he's happy to model for you. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask, with um, particularly social media and um, photography and that sort of thing, how do you, or do you, even try to keep volunteers on brand? Yeah. Um, yeah. Something that all of us have developed, which we did, uh, we've done previously, and we're happy, again, we'll send this out to you, is build, at one point, I think it's Andy's stage of church, where it's kind of 75 to, to about 200-ish mark, you want to come up with brand guidelines. Uh, so all of us have done that. Um, they can be really simple. They can be one page that says, use photos that look like this. We don't use clip art. Uh, use colours like this, these are our colours, these are not. Um, yeah, four colours you can choose, here's three fonts you can use. It doesn't have to be a full booklet that's 70 pages long of do this, do not do that, but giving your creatives a chance to have some freedom within the bounds is really, really helpful, really healthy for them. But with photography, yes, you will get a range of skills, like we've got professional photographers and we've got um, amateur, you know, uh, hobby photographers. Um, and kind of we're in the place now where we're trying to work out how can we get some of the skills from that professional and get them to train the other people. But also the professional is very slick sometimes and maybe we want that kind of more earthy, raw photography. Craig? Have any of you seen examples of um, churches using social media or other communications for uh, leveraging sermons? So uh, the application and meditation and deep reflection in community around the word. Some examples of that. Do you mean publicly? Yeah, or? Well, it could be in a private Facebook page, just amongst mm. the, the church community. Like, yeah. yeah. Saying WhatsApp groups work really nicely for that kind of thing. So this is the question uh, that, that the, the preacher leads the like the I'm going to call them uh, growth groups. You guys understand what I mean when I say that. Yeah, Bible studies, etc. But they all go flesh it out with. And so over that week, the challenge is use that, debate it, and then come together in your midweek group and discuss it some more. That kind of thing can be helpful. But outside of that, personally, no. I've seen um, like content creation is often one of the hardest things and have time for. But you've got a 30 minute sermon. There's so much content in that sermon, and um, if you've got a volunteer who takes notes and they can take a couple of snippets. That gives you some posts throughout the week of a couple of quotes from your sermon that you can then put up. Or you just need to balance that with your audiences though. It might be great for your internal insider who knows what's going on, but what does the outside community see when they yeah. see a random quote? We found our, po our podcasts on our website were one of the first points of contact with people. So we put a little intro that we now put at the outside of every podcast, which is presuming people don't know who we are. Um, I wear Soul Church, this is someone who recorded this. We meet on Sunday at this time, blah, blah, blah. We'd love you to come along. Here's the sermon. Thank you, know that. Yeah. We might take the final question because we are out of time. You got your head up there, so we'll be I'm sorry, just because you mentioned your pages, um, in terms of advertising, have you had much success with that? Because if you have an event please, and nobody clicks going, no one else clicks. It's usually a healthy walk around that. You get some different opinions across all that as well. So. It is to gra it's great to keep educating your congregations. You know, we've got an event coming up. Make sure you go and like that, share that. The more that happens, the more people will see it organically and the more your paid advertising will work more because Facebook thinks it's a really exciting thing happening. <laughs> well, will SMS 
the little bit of the, the why, why go to this thing, here's the link, and the link is the Facebook event. Sometimes if you want to drive more likes, more, yeah, that's the For the alternative opinion, we cut Facebook events because exactly that used to happen. Uh, and we actually drove off to our website to say here's the information about it. But make sure you do use native Facebook tool. The quickest way to be able to amplify stuff on Facebook is to use the latest thing that they've launched. So if they've just launched live, use live, and you'll reach billion. Uh, if they have whatever next thing they next out, Mark Zuckerberg's big thing on a podcast two weeks ago uh, was saying it's all about private communities. So you guys are really thinking through putting a lot of time into those closed Facebook groups. That's where Facebook want all of their audience spending their time. Use that well and leverage that because they're going to make that a really useful tool and they're going to put lots behind their algorithms, etc. to make sure that that's the first thing that you see is those closed groups. And adding to that, you might you will need to moderate those groups, so make sure the content and the sharing and the conversations happening there are good and useful. And you might want to find some people who are like influencers in your congregation, some key people who are good at posting stuff, good at sharing, good at commenting, and encourage them to keep doing that. Yeah. Right, we might finish. Um, if you guys have got extra questions, feel free to uh, come and chat to us afterwards. We would love to be able to flesh stuff out for you. We've also got a break now from 3.30 through to 4, but I'm going to get Andy to finish up and pray for us. Uh, Father God, we thank you for the gospel. Uh, we've been hearing how much urgency there is around our nation with more people hearing the good news. Uh, we pray as we think about how to communicate that good news uh, to the people in our community and to encourage the people in our churches. We pray that you'd give us clarity uh, give us wisdom as we think about all the things that we have to do. Pray you to help us to do them well. And we pray that it would be for your glory and for our joy. Amen. Amen. Amen.